This is the BSN Buffs Podcast. There's a quarterback run off the right side. He's got a bit of a seam. He gets hit low. He spins to the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown, Colorado! Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. He throws and he fires a strike to Shea Fields on a slant to the right side. Touchdown! Touchdown, Colorado! He takes a snap. He drops this one. He throws it in the end zone and it's picked off by Colorado. Jake Shapiro. Man, that intro just gives me goosebumps. You got Mark Johnson on that KOA call for Colorado Buffalo's radio network. That call, the Akello Witherspoon pick, I'm sure will be played for years, Ryan Konigsberg. Yeah, I worked hard on that intro, so you better enjoy the shit out of it. <laughs> well, we're off to a roaring start here on the BSN Buffs podcast. And also joining Ryan and I as uh, always me and Ryan, but... Will Whalen's back on the pod, so get ready for some takes. And uh, no, Ali Monroy's no. back. I don't have the best reputation on this podcast. I'm not gonna lie, but I think I think maybe be able to redeem myself tonight. Okay, we're we're waiting for it, Will. Uh, but first, before we hear about you eating your own crow, because that's what you said on Twitter. Indeed, indeed. I got to tell you about mybookie.lv. Football fans are flooding the online marketplace putting big action on football games and then having to wait weeks to collect their cash. There's nothing more frustrating. That's why thousands of online players are going to mybookie.lv. They offer real Las Vegas odds, incredible player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. And as we just told you, fast no-hassle playouts when you win. Just join now, and they'll match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. Get an extra 10% bonus on top of that when you sign up and deposit today. Just make sure you use promo code BSNDenver. That is BSNDenver. Expert or rookie, you got to go check out mybookie.lv. Sign up today. And I got to say, Ryan, the Buffs look like the veterans that they were out there playing in Eugene on Saturday. Also, the Buffs are 4-0 against the spread this season. So if you... Had done what we told you at the very beginning. Put in your thousand, you got two thousand. Bet that on the first game. Bet that on the second game. Bet that on. You could probably be at like thirty grand right now. You know what's so funny is that a couple years ago, right around two thousand twelve, Tyler Ziskin used to catch so much heat for betting against CU. Like, oh, I remember that. Because some of these spreads were ridiculous and really flattering for the Buffs, but. Now I'm sorry. I'm, you know, we've been looking at lines that have come out recently, and it's like, play CU. CU's, as you just said, 4-0 against the spread. Not a bad time to be betting on the buffs. That line moved from minus 9 to minus 14 uh, Oregon when kind of the rumors started coming around about game time that Montez was going to play. Yeah, I mean, just what an absolutely amazing – game and and just an amazing moment for Colorado fans who I think maybe more than any fan base in the country deserves things like that Uh, we were here at the Blake Street Tavern and the scene was like something out of uh, a Metallica show or something in the 80s like there was a straight up when Akella Witherspoon picked that ball it was a straight up mosh pit in the tailgate room at the Blake Street Tavern I still have a cut on my leg from a table getting flipped on me 
Uh, there was like shattered glasses all over the ground because we were just knocking tables over and like hugging and there's people crying. It was one, I mean, actually I, I would put it in my top five sports moments. Um, like number one for me is still Landon Donovan's goal against Algeria. I was at a bar for that and I've never seen like just so just such an outburst all at once, but this was really close. This was one of the it was one of the more amazing moments in my entire time following CU because when you when you're halfway up the mountain and you reach the top of the mountain, it's not as cool as when you go from the bottom and reach a height like that. Uh, just it's an incredible moment really for CU and their fans and the program in general. I completely agree. I mean, I was at a wedding all weekend which we all talked about um, before the show. Weddings on Saturdays during college football season no are, go. are an absolute no-go. During but, football in general. Right, right. I mean, if you're going to do it, you better have a very college football-friendly wedding. Uh, and every time CU scored, half at the reception, half the people there were screaming, toasting shots, clinking their glasses to get the bride and groom to kiss. The fight song was playing at the reception. And I would imagine sans a, you know, 85-inch big screen TV being in the middle of the reception, that was about as good as it gets for experiencing college football at a wedding. Uh, and people were going nuts. I, I've done, I think, over the years, an admirable job of hiding my bias. I went to see you. I grew up a CU fan, and I got to say, it was, I'm sitting on my phone refreshing in three different browsers. Uh, I had GameFeed, Twitter, and I was trying to bring up video on my phone, and I see Oregon driving down the field, and I'm just walking around the floor, like, just cussing at everybody. <laughs> My girlfriend's trying to be like, what's going on? I'm telling her to go screw herself, the whole deal. Just a general prick. I'm like, here we go again. Of course this would happen because you know what? Nothing good can happen to Colorado graduates. And then I forget who tweeted it first, but it showed up on Twitter about Witherspoon's interception. I threw my phone down on the ground, ran, tackled the groom, and shouted out, you know, paraphrasing, we beat we we won and the whole place just went crazy we actually got kicked out of the restaurant that was hosting the reception because people were drinking too much and screaming too much after the game well uh i mean we got moved pretty quickly out of the blake street tavern when we were here <laughs> on uh saturday but i mean my experience was really weird because i was the only one actually working the game out of us <laughs> uh and i was sitting right next to ryan and i knew that kind of the way it was unfolding because I was watching it from an unbiased perspective. I was trying to be really neutral and I was on my laptop the entire game, whatever, and I could kind of see, uh, you know, I, I really liked how Colorado was defending the ball on that drive despite the Oregon moving down the field and Tedder Thompson almost has that pickoff and then they get the drive extended because of a bad penalty. Right. So I'm still feeling pretty confident in Colorado that they're going to hold and at least force overtime. So when Akello picked off that ball, I wasn't shocked. But, like, the part of me that, that is a CU fan that grew up in Boulder, it had to, like, put on hold. I was like, okay, 
gotta get this article finished. So it was a really weird experience for me because literally there's complete chaos around me. Yeah. Ryan's throwing beer. I'm just trying <laughs> to I'm just trying to get my computer not broken, which was Ryan's computer. Uh, like all I was worrying about is like Ryan, don't break your own computer right now. Like put it under the table. Let me publish <laughs> this article. And like everything around me is just complete chaos. I have to say, Jake always talks about how things just always work out for me. Like, I chose a really good time to stop covering the Buffs. <laughs> like, I couldn't – I love my job covering the Broncos. I do miss covering the Buffs, which is why I went up there. And probably by the time you're listening to this podcast, hopefully, I'll finish uh, the story I'm doing. But, man, did it feel good to be able to just unleash uh, and really celebrate with Colorado fans because, uh, you know, like I said, I, the, the fan base deserved it. Ali, you were the only one actually in Boulder for the game. Yep. What was that scene like? Um, well, so I was finishing a test, so I started walking to my friend's house where I was going to watch the game a little late. And at that point, I was walking on the hill, and every single house had the game on, tailgating. It didn't matter. Everyone was wearing CU gear on the hill. And I went to my friend's house, watched the game, was trying to be unbiased as well, um, just sitting there watching the game. And then the buff started choking. And I, everyone, honestly, everyone where I was, just even on the streets, everyone just kind of got quiet. I was getting texts from some of my friends, like, are you serious? Is this happening? Like, are, is this real? And uh, then there was, like, three minutes left, and Bobo got that catch, and then defense needed to hold them but they in my opinion weren't doing the best job they got to first and goal and I honestly was like that's it they're they're done they're gonna either score a touchdown or a field goal and um, all of my friends in the room were on their phones no one was watching the game anymore and I watched the Oregon's um, quarterback throw that and I just like knew and I just got up and started screaming and everyone was like Wait, what? Like, what just happened? And it was amazing. And after that, um, everyone was out on the hill, on the streets, burning couches, um, burning anything Hell they yes. could get a hand, their hands on. There was, there was cardboard boxes. There was everyone was just throwing like beer um, cases. Like everyone was literally throwing anything they could into the fire. And there was multiple fires, and you could just hear. Um, uh, the firefighters driving around and um, then I went to the hill just like to grab food and everyone was drinking and partying and Pearl I can't even imagine it was insane everyone in Boulder was just so shocked and so happy I think last year when I did my best case worst case in my best case the last line was the couches burned a plenty all was right in Boulder Boulder's a better place when there are couch burnings and what was so funny is so my oldest sister, she's a CU alum, and uh, when I was in D.C. for the wedding, got to spend Sunday with her, and she drove us to the airport. And we're talking about the game, and she's like, God, it was crazy. And, and she's like, but, like, I thought Oregon was ranked. I was like, oh, no, like, they're kind of in somewhat of a down year. And she's just like, so, wait, is it actually a big deal that we beat Oregon? <laughs> and that's like a question. When, when you talk to somebody who's not super into college football, Right, who just kind of pays attention in their off time. Explaining culture wins are really hard. You know, it, it, when they, oh, we beat the number 10 team in the country. 
whether you follow a team or not, or whether you follow the sport or not, you know that's a big deal. Beating Oregon this year wasn't about a a win of any magnitude of in terms of like ranking. No, this was a culture win. This was a program win. And as soon as my sister was like, so they're not that good? I went into this tirade. I was like, you have no idea. Don't start with me. And that's what was so great about the whole weekend and the whole reaction from Buff Nation about the game. Yeah, you know, I, w- I was asked that a few times myself, even by some smarter fans on Twitter. This Is this really an important win? And you know what? Oregon's lost like five games out of the last 70 at Autzen. You know, Colorado goes in there with a backup quarterback and beats Oregon. So still... Here's- that, it, that's an important win to me. It's a symbolic because it's the changing of the guard. It, it, exactly. Colorado, I remember back in the day, uh, Oregon had an injured quarterback, and they rested him against CU. He could have played. They rested him against CU. I believe the final score was like 42-2. to two. Uh, I always gave Dara the credit for scoring the only two points in the game because DeAnthony Thomas, I want to say, retur- tried to return a punt from the end zone and got tackled, and so I gave Dara credit for the two points and breaking the shutout. But they came in with a with a backup quarterback and just trounced the Buffs. Now the Buffs go into Oregon with a backup quarterback, run the Oregon offense right down their throats, and honestly, it it looked like Colorado was the team that has been the power in the Pac-12 for the last 10 years, and Oregon was the team who was fighting for relevance. And one of the Oregon columnists wrote exactly that, that Colorado looked like Oregon and Oregon looked like the old Colorado. And the truth is... When you talk about Colorado these last couple of years and kind of trying to break through, these are the games that they lose, not just in the way that they the game went, but against teams that are kind of struggling to hold on to their culture and their identity as a powerhouse. Those are teams that can still beat teams that aren't very good, and they still do take care of business against those teams, and, they, and, and it kind of maintains some resemblance of the status quo. With CU beating Oregon... It's kind of like smacking them down and be like, no, this is your place now. This is your place. I don't care if it was by three. I don't care if you came back. I don't care if you made a dumbass play call at the goal line on first down. No, like, we're Colorado. This is where we are now. We came into your house, spanked you around for most of the game. It doesn't matter what Oregon is this year. It's that Oregon is still Oregon. It was still on the road. Autzen is still a very hard place to play. And this is still a team full of four-star talents all across the board. And Colorado, it was a changing of the guard. And Colorado reminded them, oh, you're on the way down? You're on the way down? You're out? You're a fall from grace is happening? We're not, your, we're not the week you relieve yourself. No, like we're stepping on your throat when you're gasping for air. I haven't seen a Colorado team do that. I, forget the bowl season of 07. I haven't seen a Colorado team do that since 2002. For me, it was such an important game um, because I think Colorado finally showed their fans um, that they can finish a game. Last year, we had so many games, or the Buffs had so many games where they were so close and they thought they were going to pull through, but they didn't. That is why I said they started to choke. Um, But finally, they were able to finish a game, especially against Oregon, and that's such a big deal. It makes makes people want to talk about them as competitors in the Pac-12. You know what? Colorado's won, what, three Pac-12 games under Mike McIntyre now? No, more than that. What's the number? This what was is his it? fifth win, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, and the teams are what? Cal? Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, State, Arizona, Arizona, 
Oregon now and Utah. But that's my no, Utah was under Utah Embry. was Embry. It wasn't um, Arizona also under Embry. No, I think it was. Yes, it was. Right, I'm saying three. That was the third Pac-12 win for Mike McIntyre in the Pac-12. So you look at those teams, Oregon State, Cal, and Oregon. That's a huge jump in programs from the first two to the last one I just mentioned. And that says everything about the direction that this program is going. This, this was his third Pac-12 win. Yeah, you're right. If you guys remember. I thought it was four or five, but my My criticism Lord. of the, the building job McIntyre did in Buller has always been about he hasn't been a good team yet. That was always my thing. He had competed with teams. He had beaten a couple teams that maybe weren't very good. CSU comes to mind. I mean, CSU really sucks. But that's, you know, its own thing. Beating Oregon is <laughs> its the first team that he's beaten that I can almost guarantee is going to go to a bowl game. This team is too talented not to rebound unless – Helfrich is literally like Dan Hawkins. Um, and he worked for him, so that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> but this is the first team that I would call good. They're not very good. They're not elite. But this is the first good team that Colorado has beaten under Mike McIntyre overall. And you're right. It is a step up. And the fact is, is it was on the road. That's what's silly. It was on the road. This team went – Oregon went into Nebraska – and probably should have won that game. They lost by three at Nebraska, and Nebraska's good. What's crazy for me watching that game is it didn't feel like Colorado was out-talented at any position. It felt as if Colorado had more talent. It was, There was no flukes. They no. were just the more talented, it better team. It was not team. a fluke at all. I agree. And that's one of the craziest things is they go in there with their backup quarterback, their backup kicker, and their best defensive player in Cheeto Uzi wasn't that terrific, and they still found Derek a McCartney, way. no doubt. Not there either, and they still found a way to beat Oregon, and one of Will and I's biggest problems coming into this season was Mike McIntyre's inability to recruit guys to build a complete team. Obviously, he proved us wrong, so on the other side of this break, we're going to come back and eat our own crow about that, but first, I got to tell you about the Colorado Keg House, which is off of 36 in Wadsworth in Broomfield. It is the home for Colorado craft beers, nitros, IPAs. And ales. And ales. There we go. Uh, Everything you can want in in beer is over there at the Colorado Keg House. They've got 30 TVs as well. It is a great place to catch a game on a college football Saturday. Really good atmosphere for that. So check them out on 36 and Wadsworth. And we're going to be right back on the other side of this break on the BSN Buffs podcast. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tee time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. They've carried a fine list of award-winning strains since 2009, and they now carry Colorado's largest selection of edibles. You'll find other things like Apothecana Oils and Creams, Marcaha Oral Tinctures, and Charlotte's Web CBD. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. 
We're conveniently located off of I-25 and Colorado Boulevard. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, this is Jake Shapiro alongside Will Whalen, Ryan Konigsberg, and Ali Monroy. Uh, and it's that time. It's that time of year, and we have a new opportunity for you to make some serious cold hard cash while watching football, of course. That site is called mybookie.lv, and thousands of experts and rookies are playing and winning big there. They offer real Las Vegas odds, amazing player props, and live in-game action with odds updated in real time. But the best thing about mybookie.lv, Will, is the fast, no-hassle payouts. I know you love that. I've seen you in Vegas. You love the fast, no-hassle payouts. And when you win, join... Will likes everything when it's fast and (laughs) no-hassle. That is true. Not going to debate you. I'll have to answer for this at home. <laughs> Join now and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 and get an extra 10% bonus on top of that when you use when you deposit today and use promo code BSN Denver, the site you are on, BSN Denver. That is the promo code. Expert or rookie, you got to check out mybookie.lv. So, uh, sports, back to that. Uh, yeah, uh, I think two people at this table – Need to order a healthy helping of crow here at the Blake Street Tavern. It's wrong. not on the menu, but they do make it special on the side. He's not wrong. And Ali and Jay. Here's what. Ha- here's the problem. Hey. One of these. One time. One time on the BSN Buffs podcast ever, I leave the show, and all of a sudden you two just begin a circle jerk of hate. That it's ends up. On. That ends I was up, not a hater that day. That ends up in you predicting. <laughs> oh, Jake. So true. Jake predicts four wins. And what did you say? I said I didn't know between five and seven or six and six. Okay. But I had said before and after. I, I said a bowl game. I leave for one second, and you two make a damn fool of yourselves. Now Jake. Now Jake is going to have to face the fact that after this weekend, the Buffs will have already met his win prediction. Well, you know what? I'm going to start with this. But it wasn't nope. just that. It was that Jake also said that he had seen <laughs> nothing to be encouraged about and that he was you were as down on this team as any team you had seen in the McIntyre era. Granted, you saw Sefo Lufau practice. He was always crappy in practice his entire career. Okay, true. And, I, and we talked about that. You're not eating enough crow. No, I... He's I, passing I, the crow to me. The I'm throwing Jake under the bus for damn right. You what? want to know how many times I've come on this damn podcast and been thrown under the bus for no reason? But all I'll say is no one expected the Buffs to go into Oregon with their backup quarterback and beat them. Okay, fair. I did say before the season, if CU beat Michigan, I would have predicted them absolutely to beat Oregon. And I think they would have beat Michigan if they had Cephal. And that's where I think my crow is going to taste the sweetest because it's damn diet it, Cepho. crow. Diet crow. What? You're eating a lesser lesser version of the no, crow. No, I'm eating full on crow. But Cepho Lufau. I legitimately feel like I have to eat crow for predicting them to go to a bowl game. Like I needed to predict more. Cepho Lufau is. I don't have to eat it so yet, but I might later. Better than I thought he was going to be. He looks damn good when he's healthy. And he's a warrior. We all know that. We talk time and time again about how freaking tough this kid is. But my other brand of crow needs to be in the preseason during camp. I talked on this show and privately with you guys how how concerning it was early on that Steven Montes hadn't separated himself, at least publicly, from Jordan Gerke. Because I said if it wasn't going to happen this camp, 
and it, then it never was going to happen. And anybody bringing up what happened at Michigan, shut up. That is like the toughest situation to ever be thrown in Agreed, as a backup quarterback, how young he is, that environment, that big of a game. Not to mention, on his first drive, he threw a touchdown pass, and it was just dropped. And what he did at Oregon is – look, Cepho has delivered some awesome performances. Tyler Hansen had some awesome performances. Jordan Webb always sucked. Cody Hawkins had some awesome performances. What Montez did at Oregon on Saturday is the best quarterback performance I've seen at the University of Colorado since Joel Klatt. And it's not close. I'd agree with that. And I'll privy it with this because I said this on our preview video, which is going to come out Friday, that Sefa Lufau's performance at Michigan was perhaps the most uh, uh, impressive performance this year between Sefa Lufau and Steven Montez. Just if you're ranking it evenly, you're taking out the fact that it was his first start. But the fact that it was his first start and he goes out 300 yards and 100 rushing yards, that is so impressive. It, it can't be understated how impressive Steven Montez was because he did things in that game that quarterbacks that won Heisman's never did. 300 yards passing and 100 on the ground. That is incredible. He had five touchdowns in the game too. Wait, what do you mean that quarterbacks won Heisman's hadn't done? Well, there's several. I mean, Matt Weiner never ran for 100 yards on the ground. Okay. That's a little bit of a – I, I just don't want to, like – You're twisting you – know, Right. I don't want to twist the narrative too much. Like, Montez was dope. Like, if you, let's just say this. If you take away the two interceptions, that would be, like, a Heisman-worthy – like, a game that would, a Heisman-worthy candidate would have. You know what? I'm yeah. glad he threw the picks because we got to see how he would bounce back after adversity. And the kid delivered the throw – of the decade to Bryce Bobo. I was, and the catch of the decade. Yeah, like, that's the thing is that this team got punched in the mouth after they punched someone in the mouth. They got up off the mat, specifically Montez, and let it go ahead drive. Like We don't see that out of Colorado, and that's where like I'm the most surprised, and I am so down to say I was wrong. And I said when Oregon took the lead on Saturday, I tweeted out, that with a healthy Cepho, this could have been an eight-win team. Because I assumed Oregon was going to win. And somebody tweeted back at me, they're like, oh, I didn't know it was already November. Thank, thanks, you know, kind of thanks for predicting the end of the season, you jackass. And to that person, you're right. I'm wrong. Who was the person? Um, I don't know, actually. Because I like them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a lot smarter than I am. But seriously, it, it, and it was just one of those moments – where it was like, I was so wrong about this team, and darn, like, what if what if all this progress is derailed just because Cepho's injured? <laughs> Montez balls out. And you know what? I was talking with Tyler Ziskin earlier today. Like, it's not that hard to see eight wins on the schedule right now. And, and probably no, where no. we sit right now, it's What not I said that after hard. the game, and it wasn't just because of the libations, that the great libations here at the Blake Street Tavern. I said, what if Colorado's the best team in the Pac-12 South? And I didn't just, like... I believe that today, sober as a bird. Colorado could be the best team in the Pac-12 South. They could go to the Pac-12 championship game. And I don't want to build that as an expectation all of a sudden, but there's not a game on the schedule that they can't win. But before, Robert Northrup. Robert North 14 on Twitter. Shout out. But before we had even seen this Colorado-Oregon game, we were sitting together Friday night watching Utah and USC, and we were thinking no matter what happened in Colorado-Oregon that they would have a shot at the Pac-12 South. But the way the Colorado-Oregon game took place, 
that shot increases, you know, fourfold, fivefold, a hundredfold. You know, Colorado gets UCLA at home. And that's the thing. Colorado gets Arizona State at home. At home. Arizona's on the road. Well, that's the thing. Like, could they win the Pac-12 South? Absolutely. I'm not ready to say that they can't. I'm not ready to say they will. I still think. I'm not ready to say they will either. UCLA is one of those teams that they've been so close against. I, I wonder at that. That's the most interesting game left on the schedule to me. Uh, And then on the road at USC, you beat USC on the road. That's another one of those things where. You know, kicking someone's throat in when they're gasping for air—that would be, that would be the exact same thing. But and and again, on the road. I what? just have to say one thing, and, I, and I know we 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 <laughs> always talk about how great the Blake Street Tavern is. I'm telling you, you have to be here for that USC game. There is—you don't want to miss the experiences that are happening at this bar. Like this isn't me talking as someone who gets paid by this bar this is me talking as someone who is telling you cu fan you cannot miss out on the experience of watching a game here with all these people during this rise you know who shan't be allowed here who shan't ted chalfin no 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 no. buff staff writer ted chalfin no ted ted's allowed he knew what he had to do he had to change the juju by leaving the blake street tavern so are you giving ted props for leaving oh yeah no he gets uh he gets an assist okay I didn't know if you were going to blame or props, Ted. Like, when you're ranking who had the biggest impact on this win, Ted actually ranks above quite a few people on the CU roster. Including Donovan Lee, who I predicted to be good. (laughs) Right. Yes. uh, So basically what we've learned in the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of this segment is that anything Shap says, do the exact opposite of. (laughs) It will happen. Um, I think just watching uh, Montez's performance gives – Buff fans hope for the future. There's a lot of upperclassmen on this team, and the fact that he can bring that leadership and will most likely in the next few years is huge. And I think the the team is all saying that the leadership and their mentality and their maturity is what's helped them become the team that they are. And I think having Montez perform the way he did against Oregon and how he probably will against Oregon State will keep this leadership and momentum and maturity going in the future. I have to agree. Going into this game last week and at the end of that Michigan game, I thought to myself, dang, it'd be unfortunate for CU to get there and then take a step back when Sefo Lufau graduates. And that's coming from me, the first person to ever see Steven Montez and be like, wait, this guy's legit and no one's ever heard of him. And Adam Monster Tiger deserves credit too because he was standing right next to me and we were both like, who is that guy? El Paso. Look him up on Rivals, wasn't there. So The savior. I truly always believed in Steven Montez, but after that Michigan game, I was like, oh, that would be a really a big bummer if, if CU comes back. Now you're thinking, wow, CU can only go to, to higher heights. He can only get better from here. And that's what's crazy. So that game meant so much for this season. But going but also, forward, yeah. that game was huge. Huge. Well, and Ryan, I wrote I wrote a column not long ago about how Steven Montez needed to play serious minutes against Idaho State because we needed to see what he had. Uh, because I, I've been very critical of Mike McIntyre's quarterback recruiting while he's been in Boulder. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, is Steven Montez going to put up 300 and 100 every game? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we made one eye contact one. right before that. You know, I mean, maybe. But at the very least – 
going into next year, you have a lot of pieces on the offensive line returning, and Shea Fields coming back, Devin Ross supposedly coming back unless he goes to the NFL. <laughs> Bryce Bobo. Bryce Bobo. You talk about uh, Juwan Winfrey, Winfrey getting healthy. Some of the guys they have coming back. You want to talk about a redshirt sophomore, a young starter, a guy who going into his sophomore redshirt sophomore year will be probably the opening day starter for the first time in his career. You want to surround that guy with a lot of weapons. He's going to have. A, he has a lot of weapons now. He's going to continue to have a lot of weapons in his college career. The future is bright. And I, this is the first time I've been willing to say that in six years, maybe longer. The future is bright in Boulder because of a guy like Steven Montez and because we've seen the competency that the staff has now in not only preparing their guys, making adjustments, and putting their players in a position to make plays because players make plays, players, players win, win games. games. I. I wanted to ask Mike McIntyre this, and I refrained. And someone should ask him at some point. It wasn't the right time this last week. But you, he has to have a bit of regret about the staff he brought in here he to start things. To. Because if, if and, not, that's he's wrong. And obviously, you know, the way that the chips have fallen, he probably couldn't have gotten Darren Chivarini at that moment. Maybe he could have. Maybe he couldn't have. But, you know, Jim Levitt wasn't available at the time. So, you, you know, it's not black and white. But you see what happens when Mike McIntyre used the resources he had available to him. This is a legit staff. It is. I mean, you could argue that they have the best two coordinators in the conference right now. And one of them's only considered a co-offensive coordinator. Well, I mean, they're in the discussion, at least. I mean, and I said this on Saturday as well. Imagine if Mike McIntyre had, been, had scrutinized his coaching staff quicker. But you know what? Sometimes, you're, like you just said, maybe you're not in a position to, and whatever happened, Rick George had a large part in this. The way this rot, the coaching staff looks right now, Rick George had a huge part in it. And as much credit as we've given McIntyre for this season and the players and his coordinators, the the ultimately, if we're gonna, if credit always goes farther up the chain. Rick George has fostered an environment and a culture shift in Boulder when it comes to the football program. And I know we're throwing a lot of gas up a lot of people's asses right now, but it's, you know what, damn it, it's worth it. And, it, and it's, it's deserved. And it's deserved because Rick George was a godsend for the University of Colorado Athletics. And I know what Mike Bone did for a lot of things in the athletic department. A lot of basketball players really really that have graduated or moved on to the NBA really credit Mike Bone with turning around that program in addition to Boyle Rick George is the best thing to happen to the University of Colorado Athletic Department since Bill McCartney was hired I actually I'm amazed that you just said that because I said that word for word to my stepdad last night literally the exact sentence you just said I said that word for word to my stepdad last night and Everyone deserves a lot of credit. Now, here's what I'm going to say. College football works in cycles, and there are windows. Yes. Right now, Colorado is in a very specific window where they can go from the bottom of the conference to the top of the conference. Really fast. In one year. Right now. Now, here's the thing about these windows. They're not open forever. No. This window is open for this year. So everything is great right now, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer. You have to keep it up. Because if you don't get it this year and you don't win six, seven, 
eight games. Six might even be low. You have to hit that window, and if you if you get through it, all of a sudden you've seen the light at the end of the tunnel. We, we've seen that happen for programs all over the country, and and it happened for Bill McCartney. He exactly. had that window, and and and, you, and when Bill McCartney was doing it, US, USC was down, UCLA was down. Texas they go into down. they go into uh, California, get whoever they want. Texas is down. Oklahoma's down. They go over there, they get whoever they want. They go into Louisiana, LSU is down. You have to take these little windows and break through them. You do, you do. And with that said, you know, I, I completely agree with everything you said, so I don't want to harp on it, but I was having this discussion earlier today. If sitting, if the buff, first of all, the Buffs have to take care of business this weekend. You want to talk about breaking through that window. You can't lose to Oregon State after you just beat Oregon because that derails a lot of momentum. I don't think it'll crush this team. I think they're better than that, but that's a bad loss. So say they win this weekend. They're 4-1, and one, right? Would 6-6 six and six be disappointing? Mm-hmm. Now, so, I, right, I say this. Is this is what I was about to ask. What's going to be a successful year? I, I say this. I say at the moment, 6-6 six and six might be disappointing because you're like, holy sh... We could have been nine and three, like we could have been ten and two. Because Stanford's the only game on the schedule that I look at right now and saying, probably not. I, yeah, yeah. I, I I give a heavy percentage of that being an L. You know, you can look at six and six in the moment and be like, oh my god, it could have been so much better, and it, and maybe it could have. But a couple come January, if they're six and six, I think everybody will be able to look back and say, you know what. It was a successful year. It was not a failure. It could have been better, sure, but it was not a failure because we made a bowl game and we're moving forward. But there's a lot. I'll say but there's this. a lot more there's on the table. There's a lot more on the table than there six is. wins. There is. A lot more. I, I, I might even be willing to go ahead and say I'm predicting eight and four. That's where they should be. Like looking at the schedule and, and if the team that we have seen thus far – continues to show up i see i see seven and five is the bottom line because maybe you have a rough day and stuff throws a couple picks or something like that 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 may happen and that happens to a lot of teams across the country that are still really good teams eight and four is what i see as what i'm willing to pick nine and three is an absolute possibility 10 and 2 feels like If they go to 9, things. if they I, I think 9 games might win the Pac-12 South. So it, then you're nine talking about does. 9 and 9 games does probably win the Pac-12 South and That's a 6 and 3 record in Pac-12 play, guys, right? Guys, what if they go to the Pac-12 title game? Are you extending McIntyre on the spot? Oh uh, yeah, you have yeah. to. Good. Good. I didn't want to hear anybody yeah. say otherwise. Cuz I've started to see threads on all buffs on on scout of people saying, "Oh, extend him now, like lock him up. He's going to be a hot name this off season." They, no, they made that mistake once before. They did with Dan pulling Hawkins. the trigger too early. Now, here's what I'll, I will say, and I think it's hilarious that a coach is either about to get fired or about to go to a bigger job in the SEC. Like that's those are the only. There's nothing in between. There's never like, oh yeah, he'll be here. Even if that did happen, I'm not adverse to the idea of promoting Darren Cheverini or, or Jim Levitt to head coach. So I don't think it's it's a... a Do you want to go with another first-time head coach? I, I don't care. I, the program will be in the right place. I don't know that... I, I this don't is a think stupid conversation. Were, Let's have but, this yeah. conversation later I down mean, the road. But Mike McIntyre, if they, if they fulfill this stuff we're talking about, like 8-4 and four or something like that, he is a hot name. Okay. With some of the jobs that are open, it's not, there's only one Tom Herman. 
USC might be open, will be open. LSU is open. There are a lot, but and then you think about the coaches that will be leaving for those jobs. There are going to be a lot of jobs available this offseason. I wouldn't be surprised to see Mike McIntyre's name to f- floated for a lot of them because that's how college football works. All right, let's tone this down and get back into the realists instead of the hypotheticals. And what I will say is Colorado is still not that deep of a team compared to other Pac-12 Correct. teams. Correct. They playing with their backup kicker, and their backup kicker wasn't used that much in this game. And you know what? He missed an extra point when he was used. So looking at this team and looking where they are, sure, they look great. I'll give them everything that we've said. They look oh, fantastic. Oh, Shab's about to come with the hater. But what I will say is they are a few injuries away from taking from going 6-6. Six and six and what we said the, last weekend. And the fans being okay with it because – Look, mm, yeah, sure. Okay, okay. like six and six, yeah. Right. Like with a couple injuries. I, I think, I think, and this is my point. You're going to take six and six if this is the way the season ends, because you're playing without your starting kicker, and we've already highlighted how big we think that position is going to be for this team. They've already, they've blown all of that out of the water. You, that's that all went away. All the excuses went away last week when they beat Oregon on the road with a backup quarterback, a uh, a backup. Uh, defensive end, a backup kicker, and oh, and by the way, because we're all eating crow right now, Ryan Muller did play outside linebacker, and you thought I was crazy for that. No, he didn't. Yes, he, yes, did. he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. He let the coaches I said that on the podcast, it. and you said I was going to be crazy. And he the played coaches talked. He played actual outside, like he yes. hand in the ground. Yes. The way that like yes. Derek McCartney did. Yes. yes. Wow, like I told you. That's wild. I didn't see it. Okay. I didn't see much that night heard that i mean Uh, yeah i saw you breaking down the schedule over here oh she's over here putting in real work i'm just thinking (laughs) um i don't know i think if the fans are expecting more and six and six for sure is fine but that's not like you said after last week's performance it's not what anyone's expecting everyone is very optimistic and i don't know i might have to be on Jake's side with this, I think the team still has a lot of things that they can improve on. And yes, they're playing like really well right now, but there are certain things even in the defense that I saw last week and during the Michigan game, whenever there was a mistake, whenever the quarterback threw an interception or there was a mistake, the defense came out and wasn't able to hold that. And they started kind of panicking in my mind. And like, obviously that's normal but I think the defense really needs to step up because when that happened when Steven Montes threw those two interceptions the Oregon Ducks went up 21 points in 15 minutes of play without CU doing anything like their defense was out there but they were just really quiet and I think that there's a few more things the team needs to do to step up but if I were optimistic I would hope seven and five this season and and what I will say backing Allie's point is I always say there's a difference between game experience and good experience. The Buffs have a lot of experience on this team, but it wasn't really all that amazing experience. They hadn't really learned how to close out games. That Oregon game, that's what puts it out the window. I believe that this team has the experience now to close out games. So in that sense, yes, I'm with you that that's, that they have thrrown something out the window by beating Oregon. Give me and eight four bust, bro. I just I need a screenshot of Ryan Moore playing outside linebacker. Eight four bust. Because I'm I even Twitter rewatched name. the game and I didn't see Do you it. Want me to text him right now and. No, no, I, I believe you. I just want to see it. Like, I want to see how it did it work. He was Probably good. not. <laughs> no, he was good. He was solid. He was better than Ryan Severson. I like Ryan Severson. You like all Ryans. Great. I like Ryan Moeller. I hate I him. just, I mean, what, I mean, make your call. If, if they're at 3-1 right now, 
make what my the, call. Did Ryan Muller play outside lines? Because <laughs> I final, still think no. What's, what's their final record this year? Let me see that schedule, Allie. It's Do they real. beat Oregon State? Do they, they cover beat? against Oregon State? I don't think they'll cover. I think they'll cover. Tyler just, Murray's model has them covering, and that's all that matters. I know. I just – I think Oregon State will run for a couple touchdowns maybe later in the game. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be Allie in doubt. Allie 28-0 on our game preview that we just did. Damn. I, I have – Because Oregon uh, State can't throw the uh, ball. Last week can't. I predicted they were going to lose – and oh, I was discrediting your predictions. Huh? You're already backing down from well, the Well, last out. week I, I last week I predicted I, we, that we were going to lose with Steven Montez as quarterback. And now after last week's game and against Oregon State, the way they played against Boise State last week makes me optimistic that it will be a blowout. Yeah, and, and to one one other thing, uh, I, Oregon State has not played a Pac-12 team yet. This is their conference opener, and. All of a sudden, what's looking like, oh, you know what, Oregon State, you get to open up the season at Colorado. It's going to be easy. Okay, now you're playing a Colorado team that just beat Oregon. It's 3-1, and one, receiving votes, and you're playing at Folsom Field, which used to be one of the toughest places to play in the country and might be once again, depending on how that crowd shows up. The Buffs are winning nine games. They're winning nine games. And that's before postseason play. I mean, the score So they're going to of... end up winning 11? Like, I even <laughs> just tried to be less optimistic than I wanted to be. Picking the wins. They're winning nine games. I, I am, I'm going to call eight and four. I'm going to call eight and four. I think there are three losses, which are really actually hard for me to find. I, as of right now, UCLA, Stanford, uh, and at Arizona. I think they beat USC on the road. Arizona is just – that's See, a tricky road At Arizona game, is the one I, wa- I couldn't give away. When I really? was going through this schedule, I said, okay, I'll give, I'll give away Stanford, I'll give away UCLA, and I just – I don't see any other, uh, any other games on there that I'm willing to – I mean, at USC, they could, that could be the one that gets me down to 8-4. and four, But They're just spiraling they're so much, whereas surging. Arizona – I mean, it's, it can be a tough place to play. It's hotter than hell. It's a hard offense to stop if maybe you have some guys banged up. I, But if I'm calling 8-4, I've got to pick a couple of losses. Right. Also. No. That, I, but I'm not willing to give away at USC. I think they're winning nine games. You both look at me at the exact same time. What's your call, bro? Seven and five. Hater aids. I've gone from. F- I, wait, 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 wait. Hater aids. I said seven and five at the beginning. It's not being aids? a hater. It's, it's definitely. It's me hate. calling someone a hater. Is make, the best part. make America hate again. <laughs> I've gone from four and eight to seven and five. Four and, and eight must feel really stupid. Like knowing that came out of your mouth. Like I've said some ridiculous things on this podcast. And what's what's worse, four and eight? Or my opinion on the Olympics. CSN Buffs poll. <laughs> oh, my God. They're both they're both terrible. Well, like, the thing is, Jake still isn't technically wrong. I mean, you were 100% wrong from the <laughs> moment it left your mouth. That's real. That's real. And, That's like, fair. no one predicted them to win. Like, realistically, no one in the media or had seen this team predicted them to win eight, nine games. Definitely. After watching them, like, I was there with Jake when we were watching fall camp, and they didn't look like a team that was going to be this good. What so, do y'all know? So it's not that bad that he predicted. You saw it too, and you were like that, that up on it. No one was like blown away. I hate my crow. I thought. I thought. I mean, we can just change the subject about what I thought. I was wrong. I know that. All right. Well, I think this segment's kind of hitting a rut here, and <laughs> we're gonna come back on the other side. We're gonna discuss the. Uh, 
gosh, what were we gonna talk? Oh, the all buffs thread. We're gonna do our all buffs thread of the week. We're gonna do the Colorado Safe Outlet question of the week. Probably talk a lot of Colorado basketball, you know? A lot of Colorado basketball. It's not even October yet. Yeah, I agree with that. Whatever. <laughs> so we're gonna come right back on the other side of the break as Police Navidad is playing. I'm really confused by this. <laughs> not complaining. Like we just said, it's not even October. You a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Jackson's Hole opened in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. There's 65 and 70-inch TVs everywhere, the food is still amazing, and there's almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off Arapahoe and I-25, the original sports grill. By staying at the forefront of cannabis genetics, cultivation, and quality control, the clinic provides the best cannabis you'll find. And with 50 awards, they've won more than any other dispensary in Colorado. There's also a brand new clinic location right next to the Colorado Light Rail Station. And if you bring in a ticket from the game, they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase there. Seriously, check them out. Go to the new location off Colorado or go to theclinickcolorado.com. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast after a short break to sing Feliz Navidad, the rest of that song. We had to uh, join in the festivities of Christmas at the Blake Street Tavern, which is happening on September 28th for some reason. Tyler Ziskin is not here playing music today, obviously. Um, but you know where you can choose your own music? The Clock Tower Grill. They have their own little DJ. Oh, yeah, you can, like, you can do it from your phone. It's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, that's so the Clock Tower Grill, not only can you play your own music there, but $3 Long Islands on Mondays, 75-cent wings on Wednesdays, and $3 shots on Fridays. It is the perfect place to get your pregame on. That is the Clock Tower Grill right off the Lincoln Light Rail Station. Guys, you know, allbuffs.com has a thread every week uh, for home b- football games that tries to guess the attendance. And I think this week's going to be really interesting to see how many fans actually end up showing up. But... Uh, I, I don't really, I don't know. I, 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 what's your guys' guess on how many are going to show up? It's weird to me because, honestly, this team deserves a sellout. Uh, this this fan base should be rallying around this team in a big way. With that being said, before the season, I think everybody chose this game as if oh, if I have to miss a conference game, I might as well miss Oregon State. For some reason or another... Everyone is missing this game. Weddings, which we already addressed, is just... its There's nothing more un-American than having a wedding on a fall Saturday. Um, my parents are gone. They're moving uh, up in the mountains. Um, another one of my friends said his his uh, niece's first birthday party is happening. Like Everyone has a different excuse this week. So I don't think they're going to quite get there, but I think there's going to be a nice walk-up crowd of just families in Boulder who are feeling kind of the hype raise up. And I'm going to guess they get, when all is said and done, about 44,000, 45,000. Tickets sold or people in the seats? I, are, you, are you going to bust in the seats or sold? There's no way to – when they announce the attendance numbers, that's the only okay, way. Okay, okay, okay. You're going 44? 44 and a half. Oh, wow. It is parents' weekend, so that will – Parents weekend, okay, so <laughs> Parents weekend is going to be hype in town because, like, 
I'll say this. My, my restaurant filled up a month ago for this entire weekend. Like, not a single seat. And Parents Weekend is always packed. It's, I remember my, my freshman year, our Parents Weekend was KU. KU was ranked coming to town, and it was crazy. I think that in the end, I think 40, 42 being sold now means I think they could probably get 45 in there. You know, that's a perfectly reasonable number with three days remaining. Um, more than that, I don't really see it happening. You know, I all I care about, honestly, student session. That's all I care about. And I think with Parents Weekend being this weekend, it's going to force a lot more students to go to the games because I was just looking on my, like, class of 2017 page, and people were selling tickets for $100. And, like, I know... On a normal day, even if the Buffs are playing really well, a lot of the people I know wouldn't pay $100. Um, but with parents here, parents want to go watch a game, especially after last week's win. And I think my estimate will be around 45, 46, too. Okay. Uh, I'm going to keep it conservative. I'm going to go 45. I think that's fair. Uh, so am I the low end here because I said 44 and a half? I mean, barely. I said yeah. 45. I think we're all around the same. So you all said 45. Real fun is, game, guys. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that it's already Wednesday. If we had asked this on on Sunday morning, I would have been like 51. Well, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Ted said this morning before they came out with the number 42 and a half, and he tends to be the most grounded on these things. So, uh, And he was exactly right on what number they uh, they ended up saying. He's got a, he's got a source, bro. He's got Jonathan. a source on this stuff. He does. He's I'm pretty sure his section. source is he just counts the dots available <laughs> on the seat map. Fair. Fair. Okay. Is that an acceptable number? Yes. No. Yes. Thank you. No. Yes. Hell no. Good football you teams beat don't Oregon bring State. in 45. You beat Oregon State and you'll you'll be ranked. Yeah. They're going right. Four, they're going to go to no, four. No, they won't be ranked because yeah. a lot of teams have to lose in front of them. You could be ranked. I mean, they're already getting thirty-three votes. I mean, teams losing in front of them is perfectly reasonable to expect. Yeah, uh, there's a chance. There's a chance if they wallop Oregon State. I think. But I mean, even even if you're not ranked, you're in the discussion to be ranked, and you're pulling in 40, 45 on Parents Weekend. Yeah. Come on, bus fans, you're better than this. I know you are, especially after the excitement you've enjoyed. Yeah, it's it's weak. Uh, I, but like I said, everyone just has a weird excuse, and, and I, I don't think any of them are bad excuses. Just kind of everything kind of fell on this weekend for a lot of fans. So that's at least the impression I'm getting. I think um, there's a lot of students, You Will, you're talking that that's your concern. There's a lot of students at the Idaho State game, and after a win like Oregon, I think freshmen will definitely be there with their parents. I think – I honestly think the student section will be packed just like it was at Idaho State. And a reason why – it's not just we're not just saying this because, you know, you're, we're not just saying this because we want Folsom to be packed for our sake. It's the biggest recruiting weekend of the year. Yep. For Mike McIntyre and his staff, o- almost all their top prospects are visiting this weekend. You want to show them a hell of an atmosphere. You want to show them, frankly, what Folsom Field can be because Folsom Field is a special place. When it's full, it is a really special place. And, you know what? You got to show them what they're going to be walking out to because you know what I'm I'm tired of seeing the rise video from CU video all these are so badass except for how cropped they have to make 
uh, anytime they show the team running on the field to cover empty seats. I'm sick of that. Get in the damn stadium and watch Ralph. Get in the damn what is wrong stadium. with you? And, you know, there's some douche on Twitter who always talks about, oh, if you could choose between being in the stadium at kickoff or tailgating, what would you choose? And you know what? Nobody in the world, I promise you this, nobody in the world likes to drink for fun more than me and eat barbecue and grilled food items more than me, and I want to be in the stadium at kickoff. If you're the kind of guy who would rather be in a parking lot tailgating, as, as much fun as tailgating is, if you'd rather be in the parking lot tailgating uh, than in the seat watching your team run on the field, I want to slap you right across okay. the face in front of your loved Only ones. Only excuse to not show up for to see Ralphie run ever. Last year they had a game the day after Halloween, and it was an 11 a.m. kick. Nah, bro. It's college. You can rally. I didn't make it there until it's the college. You can rally. I was, Don't I give me these damn excuses. No excuses. I have gray hairs in my beard, and I still rally. Give me I a think break. because it is a twelve thirty game, a lot of fans, like a lot of the student section, will show up because it is an early game. It's not like they have most of the day to tailgate and they won't make it to the game. While it being twelve twelve thirty, I know a lot of people are going to start tailgating at eight a.m. But I think there's a more likely chance that they will make it at twelve thirty than a later game. Here's the issue: is that all sounds really good in theory right now. Saturday morning always sounds great until Friday night. <laughs> and Friday night's going to happen, and all of a sudden Saturday morning, no one's going to be there tailgating at 8 a.m. No one's really going to get there until about 10.30. seen these things happen before, and then no one's getting in the stadium until 1.15. Then people need to, you know what, check, if you're a man, check your balls. Rally. <laughs> Show up. Go out till 3 a.m. the night before, and then wake up at 8, get to Boulder, tailgate, and get in the damn stadium. Because that's what champions are made of. I mean, I was in rough shape after Halloween. Make tailgating great again. I wore Vaseline as a shirt. Literal Vaseline. That's the worst mental image you I've meant ever make had. Make tails gate again. <laughs> I'm so, like, I can't, I don't want to ever picture you and Vaseline I can show it together. To you. No, hell I'll show it to you right no. now. No, tap a live reaction no on the podcast. All right, no, guys. No, hell All right, no. I think just after I was the only one here in Boulder, after the way I saw everyone going crazy on the streets and houses, on Pearl, on the hill, like, yes, it's early. Yes, tailgating early. But, like, they want to be a football school, and I feel like fans will want to show up, even it, if I feel like it, not many people are going to go out on Friday because of the way everyone acted last week. Are you willing to accept Allie responsibility? Allie just butt actually us. Wow. On our own podcast. But actually. <laughs> I was trying to get you to say our sponsored content, too. And it's are you willing to take responsibility <laughs> for the student attendance on Saturday? No. Are you? I think we should. Everybody on Twitter. Blame Ali Monroy. No. At Ali Monroy 11. If, if CU attendance Not Ali Monroy sucks, 9. Ali God, Monroy. If the student, you know what? The way y'all came after me all summer, if the students don't show up on Saturday, come at Ali's head. Come at her neck. Hey, come with the fire. Come I with got, the heat. I, I got don't care. Out, throw I got her, throw out whatever you got at her. Too. I got called out this summer because apparently I'm Because you're not, a girl. No, because <laughs> apparently I, the people I know aren't true CU Sports fan. And you just don't sound like you know about sports. All right. We're going to ignore that Will part. Will was being sarcastic there. I just right. wanted to yeah, say well, that. Uh, no, I'm someone repeating tweet, what someone, someone else said. That. Yes. But you know what? People were giving me, like, 
telling that I wasn't a true CU sports fan because I didn't believe in because them. Because you didn't get I the students in the student think, session. Exactly. I don't know what to tell I you, Ali. I think they will what to show up. You, Honestly, after Idaho State, they showed up. She's I making think the call. If it doesn't happen, it's on you. It's Allie's job on the line, folks. You better show up. Seriously, if the students Guys, don't show help up. Guys, me out, please. Allie's this done in this business. Her career is done. <laughs> Her career is done. She's going to go after work for Buff Scoop or something. All right. We are going to um, see the answers on Colorado's safe outlet question of the week. People tweeted at BSN Buffs. And the question was, in your opinion, is there a scenario where Stefa Lufau is healthy and Steven Montes is the starting quarterback? Um, we've got a lot of answers, and a lot of the answers were just flat out no. Um, a lot of the no. answers. <laughs> I blame Ryan for asking a yes or no question. All right. Um, someone tweeted, McGeeCU tweeted, I don't think so. If we run into serious trouble versus the Beavers, then I could see pulling Cepho. Short leash, short leash for sure. We had another response saying, absurd question. Cepho is the heart of the O. I'm looking forward to a future with Montez, however. And Ricardo tweeted at BSN Buff saying, easy question. Montez wins versus Oregon State and at USC, a healthy Cepho comes back, but CU loses versus Oregon State, or no, Arizona State, my apologies, and Stanford. Okay. First of all, okay. don't blame me for asking a yes or no question. Okay. Blame Jake for not doing his job and sending the question out himself. I had a five-page paper that I had to do today and blame Cry me, me for, a damn five for page shots are, are being nothing. fired today at every single person around this table. And I'm blaming oh you for making me sleep. Yeah, that was actually. I mean, you what? Well, you almost made me sleep at your house for a second night this weekend, but I ended up going home. That has nothing to do with any of this. I just needed to ride home. Well, if you can't write a paper, that's on. You're just not very good at school. That girl is so shocked by my commitment problem. to you. By the way, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> what? No, I was. I'm <laughs> really confused. Did you just oh, no, no. No. To no, Why is the podcast going in this direction? <laughs> <laughs> I was just. I said I would drive to Centennial if he needed to arrive home. Oh, that was kind of Jake. Jake's just looking out. It was a hundred of you to want to drive to Centennial. I, that's so thirsty, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday night. Saturday night. Remember when on the podcast he said you said you wouldn't be his DD, and he said, "Meh." Did you end up being his DD? We both like got I said a on DD. that podcast. <laughs> we both. Oh wait, I did DD. Well, there goes another one for Jake. All right. Uh, well, here's the thing about the Steven Montez Cephalufa situation. Cephalufa is going to try to sound like super smart professional right now. Hit us. Hit Cephalufa us. is the leader, the emotional captain of the team, the physical captain of this team. He is everything to this team. Nothing Steven Montez can do on Oregon State against Oregon State will dethrone Cephalufa from his starting job. There's absolutely nothing Steven Montez did, can do. Did, I disagree. Has Cepho ever beat Oregon? I actually disagree, and I hate it because I, I think Sefo Lufau has been jerked around uh, more than he should have been. Jerked around? I don't. No, but I know what you mean. Do you mean, want me to like, go into details? I mean, like, let's just say this: when Davis Webb was going to come to Colorado, Sefo Lufau was maybe not forcibly asked, but the idea was floated of him redshirting. You're okay. the, the, the same guy we're talking about being the unquestioned leader. The, the heartbeat of the offense was told, hey, uh, we might need you to keep that foot hurt for a little longer. Sure, but he w- he's also been basically unchallenged in his career until that. All I'm, I'm just, saying I'm just, is I'm just saying I don't want to – I- 
for Seth Olufau's sake, I want to see him come back, have success, and ride off into the sunset with all the records and the legacy to back it. I think he deserves it, and I think he yeah. has the, the ability to do that. Now, if Steven Montez goes out there and absolutely carves up Oregon State, looks amazing, I just don't know if you can take the ball out of his hands on, on your way to USC. I, there's at least a well, very, very serious discussion that takes place in Mike McIntyre's office with his staff. There is. I think this, though. You have a starter, right? The last thing that you want to do on it, we've talked so much on this show about breaking through that window of opportunity. The last thing you want to do is create any rifts in your locker room or possibly derail that to say that he's better than Lufau right now. He may be hotter. We'll see. I mean, the truth has Lufau. That's an exact quote from Mike McIntyre. It depends on how hot our team is. But I think, I, I honestly believe that's more about creating more work for defensive coordinators on other teams. I, I, I truly believe that because you know what? I, I believe this. I believe that Mike McIntyre knows how crucial this year is, and I don't think he's willing to ride out the possible hot, cold moments of Montez if that will put risk to Lufau's kind of rhythm. Because you know the you we have seen Lufau in rhythm, and it's better. It, it, it's Look, Montez was a beast against Oregon. I, I know. But it's at least he- as good – if not better than what we saw. It's I'm ins- different. Okay. It's different. Let me I, I back you here and I think Sefo should be the starter when he's healthy. But yeah. I know a little thing or two about how coaches operate and if it's very close between uh, my guy and the last guy's guy, those tiebreakers tend to get settled one way more than the other way. Yeah, I don't think I we you mentioned this before the show. I don't think I think Mike McIntyre views Sefo as his guy at this point. I agree with that because Sefo never played a snap for John Embry. Sefo has been McIntyre's starter since all but you know the barring the injuries a year ago, all but the first couple games of McIntyre's first season. I think McIntyre views Lufau as his guy because Lufau was raised under McIntyre here. I agree with that. And so I just don't think that will come into play. How many times have you smashed Mike McIntyre yes. for his quarterback recruiting? Uh, all and the if, time. And if the quarterback that Mike McIntyre and Brian Lindgren, who gets his fair share of hate, if the quarterback that they specifically recruited went out and found a diamond in the rough, if he's the one who leads them to 7-5, and 8-4, and 9-3, it just looks a little bit better for the staff. I, but I don't think that's an issue because all they need to do to return next year is get to a bowl. That's all they need to do, right? If they reach a bowl, they're not getting fired. So if that's all you need to do, it doesn't matter if your guy does it this year or not because it's not his legacy yet. His legacy will be what he does next year and the year after his final two or his final years of eligibility going forward. That'll be his legacy, and that's where you really get the credit. I would you can't risk it this year. I would have never thought of it. I would have never questioned it until I heard those words come out of Mike McIntyre. Neither mouth. would I. If that-, that was him, to me, I know what you think it was. To me, that was him preparing, uh, preparing the fan base for this might be a question. And like I said, I believe Sefo should be the starter. I just don't – I'm not necessarily Mike 100% McIntyre sold on that. Mike has never been that conscious of what he says 
or how what he says will be perceived by fans. He's never been that conscious. He doesn't care. Mike McIntyre is all about how what he says will affect preparation for another coach. That's where my belief comes from. But I, I get yours. I just, I just don't think that's it. I think the decision will be more clear if when Sefo plays and if he isn't able to perform, they have Montez. They know he can, and I think it depends on that. I think if he plays against Oregon State or USC and isn't playing as well as we think Montez can, or Coach McIntyre thinks Montez can, then they will switch him. But right now, Sefo after Michigan, until he got injured, he played an amazing game. Yes, um, Montez did too in his starting debut, but as of right now, we know Sefo is a great player and he can be keep the consistency and the leadership on the team and I think it just depends if Sefo can perform. I say this, this. I say why this. Why not the other way around? Why I don't you roll with the hot hand that's rolling and if and if Montez starts to mess up, then you go ahead and put in your senior. Because, because Montez you can't. that much more of a hot hand than Sefo. Sefo's yes, two and one in the game. His hand played. is actually hot right now. Sefo's hand <laughs> has been thrown in the cold water. He has to warm it back no, up. No, but, but I say this. If you beat Oregon State and you're at 4-1, USC is the biggest game in, the, in McIntyre's entire career. Not not that losing that is going to derail something, but you win that, you get to 5-1, you are ranked. You are you are back, and you are the leader in the clubhouse in the Pac-12 South. You're not going to ride. You're not going to take the chance. You're going to put the ball in the hands of your senior quarterback, a guy who made the Michigan defense look mother and stupid. On the, I just had to like he made them look stupid on the road. He he was masterful for a half against Michigan, and he gets hurt. He did not look the same. He comes out in the second half, throws that dime on the play. He gets hurt. You in the biggest game of your career as a head coach. I get that Montez might be hot. Oregon State sucks, and I know what he did against Oregon, but Oregon State sucks. The truth is. You, in my opinion, there can't be a debate. You put the ball in the hands of your senior leader, your captain. You put the ball in his hands. You say, we're going to win or lose with you. And if he throws two first-half picks, you warm up Montez at halftime. He, because he's prepped for that role. He's prepped to be the backup. And he's already gone through the experience of coming in halfway through a game. He's been through the shock factor. Sefo is your guy. Give him the damn ball go beat USC on the road. I agree. And Montez is, yeah, his hands are hot now, but how do you think Sefo's feeling? He knows how well Steven Montez played. He's proud of him. But if I were a starting quarterback and I just got injured, I'd be like, no, that's my spot. I'm a senior. Is this, this is Alex my Smith calling Kaepernick? This is my team. And yes, I'm excited for Steven Montez in the future, but this is my team and I'm going to come out playing hot just like I did in the past three games when he did start. And I think Sefo Lufau is going to come back out even hotter. There's two schools, totally of, agree. two schools of thought on this. Let me talk. I haven't talked in a while. I wasn't expecting this to be as like, hotly contested. But two schools of thought on this. One, I'm with Will. you got to ride your senior quarterback. He knows how to get the job done. And you know what? I know you guys have all predicted eight and nine wins now, but let's put it this way. Sefo Lufau, I guarantee you, is a safer bet to get you six wins. And that's, that counts for something. You need to get to six wins this year. That is the Not most like important thing. you're making thing. a long-term commitment here. 
I, this you is don't, but, and that's my next point, is number two, you're not making a long-term commitment. And there's this thing that happens in hockey all the time in the playoffs where a team will switch to their backup goalie for a game or two and kind of reset the pace of their, their defense and kind of reset the mindset of the team. If that's what, let's say, Seppo, I believe, is healthy enough to play this week, but they're going to try and ride him one more week. You know what? That I, tells you all you need to know. I think that tells no, you doesn't. that they're making sure he's healthy, one, yes. and yes. two, that they like the pace that Steven Montez brings and that they can sit on that for another week and get away with it, and it lets their team kind of refresh let going me, into the Let USC. me be clear again here. I'm totally in the boat that believes you need to give the ball to Sefa Lufau and let him go. But I'm just not 100% sold that you just don't feel like you have to keep that ball rolling and you don't want to mess with it. Because regardless, you, do, you sit for two weeks, you get, a, you get a little bit out of rhythm, you get a little bit out of game shape. It's not as simple as just plug and play. I just I don't know if they're not going to sit there and think, you know what, let's keep, let's keep Steven going. Let's, and if he comes out hot, we made the right call. If he didn't, we've got a guy who's been through a lot. And coming in in the second quarter or second half, is something that he can handle and lead us back to victory. I just don't know if it's as cut and dry as everyone's going to say. And let me also say, I love the fact that the guy who everyone said couldn't get it done and he just doesn't know how to he doesn't know how to, you know, do it in the big games is now the guy who everyone is you know, on their knees bowing down and praising as the almighty Sefa Lufau because I was the first one on this podcast to say that he's going to go on a redemption tour this this season. He's been excellent, and the truth he hasn't thrown an interception. That, you know, Stephen Montez, in his best game, still threw the two interceptions, two costly, bad interceptions. Yep, they were able to overcome it. I don't like playing those odds. Of throwing two, anytime you have a quarterback throw two half, two second half interceptions, and it's your starter, you don't win many of those games. That's not a that's not a game that you win a lot of the time. And I trust, I I, I trust Cephalufa with the ball more. I do. I do too. And even even with Montez being as dynamic as he was, I don't think it was hot enough to beat out what you have. That was last Cephal. week. This is this week. If he just against Oregon State, I know, but you have to grade him on something. Okay, but if 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 Cepho was in, he's probably throwing three touchdowns, no interceptions, maybe running for a TD, and I and and I know, like, well, he's not gonna play probably, but I just don't see how even if you've got a backup who's hot, that's great. He was the backup for a reason, and. I don't think you risk. You, we heard the stories, right, about the players in C's locker room going to Mike McIntyre and his coaching staff during the Davis Webb drama and saying, what are we doing? Cepho is our quarterback. We will win with him. This and that. Steven Montez is their teammate already, so it's, it's different. Yes. In the most pivotal season your program has had in a decade – do you really, even if Montez is hot, want to risk that? Do you really, really want to risk that in case it goes wrong? Because if they go wrong with Lufau, that locker room doesn't fall apart. 
they go wrong with Montez when Lufau is healthy, that locker room might fall apart. I agree with that. And I think really, honestly, like you were just saying, with I think you go with experience, especially against Stanford, especially against UCLA. Seppo's been out there before. And I honestly think that he deserves to play against these teams with the team that he has now, with the leadership and the maturity that he has brought. And I know I've said leadership and maturity a lot, but it's something that I've heard so much with the players and during the presser. And I honestly think you choose experience over who's hot, especially against Stanford and UCLA and Arizona, because you want to win those games. I Listen, you guys aren't trying to convince me, because like I said, put the ball in Sevo's hand. I just saw the look in Mike McIntyre's eye. I heard the way he said it. I don't think that it's as cut and dry in his mind as you guys are trying to make it out right now. It's I, I really think there's going to be a long, hard discussion over this. And I think all the points that you both have made, especially Will talking about something that you were talking about when I was thinking, <laughs> that was really good, but I forgot what it was. I think those points should eventually sway the team back towards Sefo Lufau. I just... You think I'm not, there has to be a serious discussion? I think there will be. Okay. And I think you never know what happens in that, dis- in that you discussion. You never know. At the end of the day, all it should come down to is not about who's, whose hand is the hottest. It's who gives us the better chance to win? If you're a coach, who gives me the better chance to win today? And if the answer is ever Steven Montez, then you play him. And if that answer is Sefo, you play him. That's the only thing that should matter because for all I said about the locker room, start to win games you know loyalty could be winning kind of, fixes everything. winning fixes everything and if you honestly believe your best shot to win a given game is to roll out montez then do it you know what if uh mike mcintyre looks at darren cheverini and says coach give me your opinion and he says mike i think montez is the better guy right now then he goes to lindgren because especially because of all the people Sefo is the least Chev's guy. Uh, they're both least Chev's guy. Right, but I'm just saying he and he's fact, been no, with he's been with say, the same he's been with both quarterbacks for the exact same amount of I time. I would say Sefo's way more as quarterback. I talked with uh, Darren a lot before the season, and he talked about the discussions that he and Sefo had throughout the Davis Webb situation and after it. Um, I don't know what's There's happening a bunch on of woo CNN. Girls around here. <laughs> you know. Um, it was, they were talking about discussions that he had had about uh, the quarterback situation, about this season with Sefo. Him and Sefo bonded this offseason, something crazy. He told me a lot about how Sefo kept wanting to talk about uh, the, the legend and the legacy and not just the records but the attitude that he left behind. And a lot of that was because of the conversations that he had with Cheverini. And so that's why I honestly feel like if they're, if Coach Ev has a guy between them, it's Sefo. I'm totally on board with everything. I'm just I'm not willing to say that Steven Montez won't be the starter uh, when Sefo's Against Sefo's USC? Held. Right. Fair enough. I and, agree. And you I know guess what? it's not black none and of white. This, none of this is talked about if McIntyre doesn't say it. But you know what? Maybe this, and I truly believe this is the exact conversation he wants out being had in other coaches' offices. None of this is talked about if you just play Sefo this week. Give the man his job back. No, I, I don't he think you play him this still. week. I think I, you I give mean, him another ankle injuries or 
really, really pesky. But you know, even if you're Mike McIntyre, you know that by not playing Cepho this week, you're opening the door a little bit more for Steven Montez to stick his foot in there and say, hey, you cannot take me out. You're also the, opening the door for Steven, or for Cepho Lufau to get his ankle more seriously hurt, and then all of a sudden you don't even have a backup and you're And you're increasing the amount of time that other coaches have to dedicate towards preparing for Montez. But they're pretty similar. They're pretty similar quarterbacks. And I have to say, Steven Montez has learned a little something-something from Cepho Lufau in not showing weakness to your team. That kid took a beating on Saturday. I mean, he got wrecked. And just like 1-3, 1-2 every single time, got back up, limped into the huddle, and never even blinked an eye. He learned that from Sefo. He did. He absolutely did. He also learned how not to slide when he should. <laughs> yes, this is very true. That's very true. And it's I know they're similar. They're running, the, they're running the same offense pretty much. There are differences. They're yeah, absolutely uh, different. Montez has a much prettier throwing motion. He does. Um, and He's a little faster. It, and that's my big thing. He is, when he runs, he's not running for yards. He's running for gaps. That's the big thing when, when watching that game again. When Cepho runs, Cepho is trying to get the most amount of yards in the, in the most efficient way possible, right? That's often why he doesn't slide because he's going for a spot. And if somebody impedes him to that spot, it doesn't matter. He's going to try to bowl him over. Montez is running for gaps. That's what he's looking for. And, yeah, he took a beating, absolutely. But it's just a different style. And it's a guy who has a is more dynamic on the ground, is not as surgical through the air mm-hmm. just yet. He has big playability, obviously, as we saw. But you know what? Every guy has their own tendencies, their own reads, their own ways of maybe their own tells. And the more guys you have to prep for as a defensive coordinator, the harder your job is. The Here's harder all, your job is. Here's all in this segment. The Buffaloes have a great problem on their hands. It, uh, because they have two, yes. two guys who can ball out. Having too many quarterbacks is always better than having not enough. That's going to end this segment on Steven Montez and Stefan Lufau and a whole bunch of other things that have happened over the last half hour or so. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to give our predictions for the Colorado-Oregon State game and what it could mean towards the rest of this season. Uflora is the Apple store of cannabis. With three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience, Uflora is the only dispensary you need. Uflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Uflora has to offer, go to eufloracolorado.com. That's eufloracolorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Life Flower Dispensary on Leedsdale serves medical and recreational until midnight. We are a one-stop shop and have something for everyone. Whether you're a smoker or prefer to use topical treatments for severe pain, we carry a huge variety of edibles, infused sodas, concentrates, flour, and we even carry glass too. 
Check out our menu at weedmax.com for specific strains and price details. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast, this is Jake Shapiro, Will Whalen, Ryan Konigsberg, and Allie Mon- Monroy. One more time, I butchered that really badly, but we're going through it. Uh, Allie is saying she didn't butcher her prediction, but I don't know. You be the judge of that, Allie. Give your prediction first. I said earlier that I believe it will be a blowout, and it will be 28-0, and everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, For only having the buff score 28? Yeah. That's exactly okay. All right. Well, She's predicting Tad Boyle to have more stars next to his name than Oregon State will have points. Had to get a basketball reference in there. Sorry. Honestly, if I lose, the if my prediction is wrong and CU scores more points, that's great for them. But honestly, I think that uh, they're going to come out hot like they have the past few games. And uh, the Oregon State's still confused with their uh, – still hasn't chosen who their quarterback is going to be in – Connor Blunt came out last game against Boise State and did okay. Too much so research. Honestly, Too much research. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> honestly, I don't know. I don't think they're going to score much. I don't think they're going to score at all, and I think it's going to be a blowout. Hopefully it's more than 28, but that's my prediction. A shout-out. I guess she's predicting the bus will roll Blunt. Thank you that I have Will here because I can't handle them by myself. So many eye rolls. Oh, What's your so score good. prediction, Ryan? I don't know. I mean, stop it, trying to come up with a pun all be with good, it. You know, it can't all be good. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, I actually think this is going to be a, a, a pounding. I think the Buffs are just going to beat the Beaver up. Um, <laughs> with, <laughs> I'm so glad that I came. But, but seriously, oh, I I'm predicting I'm predicting the Buffs to win 42 to 17, and that to me puts another little spark on the pile, the puddle of gasoline that is the Stephen Montez era. That definitely wasn't a Victor Bolden prediction. No, I'm gonna go 34-13. Uh, I think the Buffs. It would uh, be a Bolden prediction to predict Oregon State to be the victors. I wonder what you're Tim cooking I'm with. so annoyed. That's the end of this podcast. Um, no, 34-13. I think CU races out to a 21-0 lead at the half, and it would be worse except they missed two field goals, um, make a couple in the second half, and Jordan Gerke even leads a scoring drive oh my in God. the second half. Um and I think I think the Oregon State running game maybe gains a little bit of traction in the second half, but in, I, I, Buffs in, are going to be in utter control. Hold on, the whole just time. one minute. I forgot to the fact that we haven't mentioned the when we're talking about Colorado beating Oregon and they use a walk-on running back to run all over them. I realize he's on scholarship now, but that maybe more than anything else is the sign of the changing of the guard. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so shout Buffs. out Kyle Evans, chocolate drop. Buffalo's roll. Ooh, that'll, Buffalo's that's the BSN roll. 10 of the week to Buffalo's this week, too, roll. so look forward to that Friday nice. or Thursday. 34-13. Um, I think that Oregon State's going to be yelling for Delp, uh, Cami Delp, that is, as the Buffs roll Oregon State. 44-21 to 21 was my prediction. Earlier. Wait, 44-21? Yeah. You think the Buffs give up 21 against this team? 
This team scored 24 against Boise. I think the second team defense is going to be in there for a large portion of this game. Fair enough. I think it'll be a bigger score. It'll be a bigger margin, but the score won't reflect right. it. Uh, anyways, that was the BSN Buffs podcast. Thanks for sticking around and listening to the whole thing. Tad Boyle got a lot of basketball recruits. Uh, this this uh, got he more sure stars. did. Three, four stars. We're gonna end the See podcast. fans are gonna go batty if he keeps getting in this many recruits. They saved all of these until the end, and I honestly don't know why. What, wait, Ryan, what do, what should the Buffs do uh, with their stadium? Oh, they should give Tad Boyle the naming rights. <laughs> That's going to be it for the BSN Buffs podcast. We'll see you next week. I actually think the Father